Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Uh, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? Matt and Matt here again to break down the Monday Night Football doubleheader between the Buffalo Bills 49ers and the Pittsburgh Steelers Washington football team. Uh, We will talk, of course, the game tonight between the Steelers, Cowboys, and waivers as we head into the fantasy playoffs. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I think describing it without a pause saying it's the uh, the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Waivers as the matchup is befitting Baltimore, who has had to replace yeah. a lot of players. And I think both of us are feeling better than Carson Wentz, who, you know, it's it's early December, and yet again, he's out of the lineup. Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, I don't know how great of a, great of a move this will be for, for Philly, but we can definitely discuss that. Uh, I wish I wish Baltimore were missing more people on their defense because uh, I need a huge game out of Zeke tonight, or else it's over for me. So I'm uh, and I'm I'm not <laughs> expecting that that's going to happen. So I went uh, full Matt Bruning in my work league where I needed a win uh, as Antonio Gibson broke his foot. Yeah. I I broke my chances of uh, coming back. And then Raheem Mostert, you know, would it have killed them to throw a couple eighty-yard touchdown passes to him? I mean, it would have made me happier right no i'm right there with you like if i could get zeke to get like a 70 yard receiving touchdown and then like 50 yards re- rushing maybe a rushing touchdown feeling me i'm feeling pretty good moving into the playoffs but I've, I've pretty much resigned myself to the fact that that's not gonna happen he's gonna get me like four points tonight so you know what i'm not gonna lie there's still a little piece of me that's secretly hoping that uh, that zeke goes off tonight <laughs> Is part of your heart going to die when it's Pollard that gets the 70-yard touchdown reception? No, I've, I've kind of just given up, if I'm being honest. It's just it's one of those things where when – I shouldn't say it, – it's just this one league. It's been two years. Now it'll be This will be the second year in a row I haven't made the playoffs, and it's just frustrating because – I hate to sound arrogant, but I know I'm better than most of the people in this league. And just the past two years, I haven't been able to get over the hump and get back in. One three out of four going into last year. And so it's one of those things where it's like, he, it's frustrating not being there, especially because that last year when I missed, um, as I've complained about on here for people who've been listening, I'm sure you, you'll know the Tim Patrick anger. Uh, I missed winning my three P championship uh, by literally 0.5 points where all I needed was Tim Patrick to catch that pass. And it got intercepted by case Keenum a couple of years ago. 
And so after that, talking all kinds of shit that I did because I felt like I should have won a championship for three straight years in a row, and then now I've not been able to make it back into the playoffs, it's just a tad bit embarrassing. So it's one of those things, but it comes and goes. You know, it was I did not have a bad team this year, but injuries and everything have just now, really kind of screwed me. Is it embarrassing, like, writing the league recap for Week 12 on Sunday morning and posting it to the chat? and making your game game of the week for week 13 and saying it was a must win for both people. And we know that the person you're playing is definitely not the one that's going to win and then losing. Yeah. I mean, that that's actually pretty embarrassing as well. I'll give you that. Speaking of embarrassing Pittsburgh Steelers losing, losing to the Washington football team. I don't think many of us had uh, predicted that was going to happen. Uh, but they do win 23-17 on Washington's side. As you mentioned, Gibson obviously goes out hurt in this one just one point before that happens. Jaden McKissick comes in and mops up 17 points. Terry McLaurin, 3. Cam Sims, 14. And Logan Thomas, the big night, 24. Huge win for Washington, uh, but are still chasing the Giants? Do you think that they can uh, get past the Giants and win the NFC least? I mean, see, that's the question. The Giants seem to have a little bit of a more favorable schedule. And if they end up with the same record, the Giants get it. So Washington not only has to catch the Giants, which last night, you know, just put them back on even footing, they have to pass them. And I think that's tough. I think they can do it. Um, Both of these teams have actually impressed me of late. And especially in these week, uh, whatever week that week 13 wins you know the Giants going on the road without Daniel Jones and stoning the Seahawks was pretty impressive equally as impressive as Washington doing the same thing to Pittsburgh so you know we've made fun of this division for a long time but now they look to have at least two legitimate contenders and not the two that anybody would have picked in August if you had told me two teams are battling for the NFC East I would have told you Cowboys Eagles no problem and those are the ones that seem kind of out in the weeds right now. Yeah, I mean, it only took them 12 weeks to get here. So, you know, now, you know it took, they, they took their sweet time to start making it interesting. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, as I mentioned beforehand, I think uh, – would have been Thanksgiving week when we had Dennis on and we redid our playoff picks. Uh, I picked Washington mostly because I did want to see Alex Smith get in there for one final run. It looks like he may be back next year with this team, so it might not be a final run. Uh, but I just I like their defense in general and some of the pieces they have on offense. But I'm with you. I think the Giants definitely have the upper hand. Um, are you worried about Gibson now? I'll be honest. I had no. I know that he went out. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was yeah. Serious it is. I'm worried if he misses extended time. Um, you know, Peyton Barber's serviceable. J.D. McKissick uh, adds quite a dimension as a pass receiver. I mean, I don't think it would be crippling. You know, it's not like – but Gibson is a very good player who's been coming on. I think that makes their offense a little more limited. Um, you know, Gibson definitely seemed to have more dimensions than a guy like Barber. They were even talking about yeah. that. On the telecast, you know, you know what you have in Peyton Barber. He's not a bad player, but he's going to take it and pile drive into the line and, you know, two yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing. Uh, McKissick, we've seen him be a decent pass receiver, so, you know, maybe they don't lose a lot there. But, you know, you want to be at strength. I think it's a real bummer for those of us going into fantasy playoffs because he's been a reliable start, too, if you thought you were going to miss him even if he's out only one or two weeks if you're washington you're probably trying to make sure he's healthy for the playoffs so if you're worried about it maybe you do 
let him rest a week or two, which makes sense from a football standpoint. But from our standpoint, this is the worst possible time to be losing, guys. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if if he is going to be out for a couple of weeks, my bet would go on McKissick being the guy to to roster here. But chances are, with the way he'd been playing before, Antonio Gibson really seemed to be taking over the role entirely. A lot of people picked him up, so chances are he is not available. On Pittsburgh's side, Ben 18 points, Snell 3, Deontay Johnson 21, Chase Claypool 5, Juju 9, and Eric Ebron 13. Another sloppy game for Pittsburgh. Just receivers looked out of sync. Uh, Big Ben didn't have necessarily his greatest day either. Uh, Is this the kick in the pants that they need to get it going, though? It did seem like a lot of the players and Coach Tomlin were happy that they they lost this week to kind of, as they uh, said, quote-unquote, reignite the fire. They've been playing sloppy for a couple weeks, but I think it's also fair to wonder if maybe they were getting a little more credit. I posted this meme to you, which I thought was hilarious. That was on NFL memes about the road to 11 and one was crazy for the Steelers beat Daniel Jones, beat the injured Broncos, beat the Texans, beat a burned out Carson Wentz, beat the Browns with no chub. The refs beat the Titans, the refs beat the Ravens, beat the two and seven Cowboys. And they almost lost that game, which was you know, beat the two five and one Bengals, beat the one and eight Jaguars, beat the practice squad for the Ravens, and then lost to a team with no name. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's a little bit of Steelers hate, and they do play for, for jokes. Some of those wins were good, and they've looked good at times this season. I thought the the win over the Titans was more of a signature win than than that meme would give credit, but they they haven't played the hardest schedule. And they've gotten lucky at the times they've caught some teams. I'm going to be really curious if they can, uh, you know, how they match up with the Browns in that second matchup where the Browns should be more at full strength because we've talked about the Browns are a completely different team when they have Chubb in there. Yeah. But but Pittsburgh's been sloppy the last couple of weeks. Uh, You know, the Wednesday game against the Ravens who had almost half their team on, on COVID IR. They were lucky to win that in my opinion. Uh, with the way they played. And we saw them do some of the same things against Washington in, they were up 14, nothing, but they were dropping passes. They didn't look sharp. So sometimes losing is the kick in the pants you need. They are fortunate to have both Cleveland in their own division and the chiefs in the AFC in general, right on their hiney. So they, they don't have a lot of margin for error. And I think that's going to keep them honest, but they have some big, matchups you know coming down the end here and we need to see what they look like yeah um while i agree with you it is kind of funny to uh to see that the one thing i will say is we saw washington the washington football team win last night uh you know i've been arguing uh mostly for the brown side of things so i guess i can't talk out of both sides of my mouth and and discredit what the Steelers have done. You can only play who's on your schedule. The, the yeah. Steelers didn't make the schedule, and I would say any win in the NFL is a good win uh, because you, as we've seen with the Jets, who everybody says is the worst team in football yet, the past three weeks they've been very close to winning games. So you could lose any single week. So the fact that they win 11-0 up until last night, as much as I hate to admit this as a Browns fan, is still impressive because yeah. they still won the games because you can lose anything. But- I mean – Go ahead. In their last four, they are at the Bills, then at the Bengals. Which oh, yeah. Trigger, yeah. trigger is easy 
home for the Colts at the Browns. So three of the last four on the road and three of them against teams you suspect will be in the playoffs. I think we're going to learn a lot about Pittsburgh. Oh yeah. Last I agree. Four games. I'm not trying to say that they're the best team in the league. I would still take Kansas mm-hmm. city over them right now, though. I don't think that they're far off from Kansas city. And I think not even just to put the Browns up there in this conversation, I would say almost all of the teams in the AFC playoff race right now, I, I live the people actually, or not people, the teams actually in. I'm not going to say the Raiders, Ravens, and Patriots who are all technically on the outside looking in right now. I think all of the teams in the AFC in the playoff race right now, I would not be surprised if, if any two of them were playing in the AFC championship game right now. Like I think all these teams have strengths, they all have weaknesses, and it's really going to be about who you're playing at the right time and who makes that mistake because all these teams have deficiencies, offense, defensively, strengths, weaknesses. So I think a lot – I think, in all honesty, in my opinion, the AFC is much stronger this year than the NFC, which I think we were making the vice versa argument last year. Uh, but I am with you on the Steelers. I also think I'm going to give them a little bit of a break on losing this game. They have played three games in 12 days, so it's not like they've had a lot of time off. You know, we've talked about it. They've been the one team that's really kind of gotten jobbed by all of these uh, movings around in the schedule by COVID. So they looked good for the most part. I mean, I would think it's fair to say if those if their wide receivers aren't dropping the passes that they dropped yesterday, they probably end up winning this game. I mean, they 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 played. I think up to par, if not possibly a little bit better than Washington yesterday. They just, for whatever reason, the past two games, including that game against Baltimore, which they all honestly probably should have lost as well. We're just dropping balls left and right. Just couldn't get the offense going, but that defense has still been phenomenal. So, and that's going to be the biggest thing is if their defense can keep them in games. Uh, It is obviously a big matchup this week. And I'm with you. I mean, those are four big games. And I, I mean, I hate to even put it this way, but if they lose the next two games or three games, all of a sudden, that puts your two. Oh wait, no, two. Yeah, they would have to lose the next three. I think if they go into the week seventeen matchup with the Browns tied, that would yeah. be the battle for the AFC North crown right there, which would also mean a home playoff game. So that could be huge. I don't expect that to happen because I'm not sure. I don't think the Browns. You know, they get Baltimore and then the Giants is is uh, we are qu- quickly learning is not an easy win. Jets that'll be the team that they end up slipping up to, but I think is going to be a, a win for the Browns. So it, it's not an easy schedule for, for the Steelers, but they definitely have a team that uh, could keep up with that for sure. They're their team that could easily win their next couple and, and stay in the race with the, the chiefs as the top seed in the AFC. Uh, the, uh, the second game here on Monday night, the bills ended up beating the 49ers 34, 24. Josh Allen had a huge game in prime time. 30 points, Devin Singletary, 11. Cole Beasley could not be covered by (laughs) anybody in this one. 28 points, Stephon Diggs, 19. Gabriel Davis, 15. Dawson Knox, 12. The Bills win in the pass offense look good. How do you feel about their performance last night? I think they look good. I think they've, you know, they had what felt like a little stumble in the middle of the season. They seem to have righted that. Next week's game with Pittsburgh to me is huge. Buffalo really Pittsburgh needs it to say, Hey, you know, the last couple of weeks were an aberration. Buffalo really needs it. I think for credibility, I think they're a team that people still aren't taking incredibly seriously. Um, you know, they need to keep winning and, and put themselves on a track. They have Miami right in their rear view. Patriots seem to be coming on, you know, their division isn't quite the lock. It seemed like 
you know, three or four weeks ago either. I think it's a huge statement game for both those teams, and I'm really curious to see where they're coming, especially coming off of these kind of dual experiences on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, they, they're they one of those teams where I can see them easily being in the Super Bowl. I think they've got an offense that, in all honesty, can keep up with the Chiefs, and I think their defense is better than, than Kansas City's. And if they are really starting to put it all together, like we kind of saw them do in the middle of the year, or beginning of the year, then as you mentioned, they kind of hit that stumbling block where Allen and that offense, the defense has still played great all year, but that offense kind of seemed to struggle. And I will say that, it was good to see them play the way they did last night because I honestly think they've really kind of struggled without having John Brown out there as well. I don't know why, but it seems like that connection between him and Allen has kind of hurt him a little bit on the field. But the way Beasley has stepped up here lately, we've seen Gabriel Davis, as you and I know uh, you were talking about last week. And Dawson Knox finally rising yeah, from the yeah, dead. Finally. Uh, Gabriel Two weeks Davis, in a row with a uh, TD. Uh, Gabriel Davis has started to step up here a little bit, maybe to replace that John Brown role. So it's good to see that offensive rolling. They they really do look like one of the better teams in the AFC right now. On San Francisco side, Mostert, five points. Brandon Ayuk, 20. Debo Samuel, 13. And Jordan Reed, 12. Tough loss for the 49ers uh, with their schedule and being five and seven right now. Are they already running out of luck? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. it's a little easier road in the NFC, but they they still have a division opponent in Arizona who's six and six ahead of them. Minnesota six and six ahead of them. There's a pack of teams at five and seven. I just feel like it's been too many injuries, and I think we're going to see this shift of locations take a take a toll. The 49ers aren't likely to have a true home game the rest of the season. That's yeah. you know that's kind of tough. Arizona has nice facilities. That's not really your home. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I mean, I, I I feel like we kind of all wrote the 49ers off anyways earlier because of all the injuries. So I think you've got to give it to Kyle Shanahan and them for even coming back in in this race. I do no. kind of think they're out of it. I think we talked about it last week. It almost felt like they kind of had to win out for the most part to make it in. I do think you'll probably get a 9-7 and seven team in. I just think with as tough as that NFC West is, I'm not sure that they have it in them to run the table because I'm pretty sure they play all three of their yeah, uh, so division rivals right the next week. Well, that's really the thing. So they got seven losses. They host Washington this next week. Which not an easy win as we saw last night. And Washington has a ton to play for. They're at the Cowboys, maybe. They're at the Cardinals and then home for home for the Seahawks. That game's January third. I guess it's possible they end up back in San Francisco, but Smart Money says they're probably in Arizona. Yeah. So, you know, they would I'm I'm with you. I think from this point they'd have to run the table. Yeah. And you're talking about Washington, Arizona, and Seattle. I mean, those teams have all been vulnerable. Uh, and as we saw, you know, they came up. One of the reasons we have to still be talking about them in the playoffs picture is week five when they went to Los Angeles and beat the Rams. So yep. they play hard. You know, I still ad- admire what Kyle Shanahan has done. I wouldn't be surprised if they finished eight and eight. I don't know that they can go four and zero from here. Yeah, I think, and I, and I hate to say it, but as, as bad as we keep saying that the uh, the NFC is, 
eight and eight's not going to guarantee you a playoff spot. I think you still have to be nine and seven, even even with that extra wild card. Or a wild just, card anyway. Yeah, there's so many teams in that in that race right now that I think you have to be nine and seven. Where the crazy thing about that is, is we we're talking about in the AFC, I think you have to have almost eleven wins to kind of secure yourself a spot into the playoffs. So it's definitely a little bit tighter in the AFC, but I'm with you. I think unfortunately wow. they needed to win that game last night to make sure they kind of or keep that mo- momentum going toward a playoff spot. You now, as we say that I'm looking, so Vikings have a game up on them at six and six, but the Vikings last four at Tampa Bay home for the bears at the saints at the lions. So not exactly the easiest. And then the other one, I, I mean, the real, Things going to come down to being able to dominate in their division. So the Cardinals yeah. last four at the Giants, which, you know, that's not an easy one, but as we saw, versus the Eagles at home, versus the 49ers at home and at the Rams. So all three of those teams have potential. I think it is possible 8-8 eight and eight ends up being the last seed. Then you'd have to look at tiebreakers and things like that. Um, but, you know, it's probably going to be – a tough road and the 49ers set themselves a little bit further behind because they're now a game back of both Arizona and Minnesota. Well, see, here's the crazy thing is that, and I don't think this, I mean, I guess we could be wrong. This could possibly happen, but we've been talking so much crap about the NFC East lately. There's a realistic shot that Washington or the Giants run the table the rest of the schedule or both of them because they don't play each other game and then both of them are sitting there eight and seven and they both played the 49ers in the next coming weeks which means they would have the head-to-head win if they beat the 49ers so that they could get in as well so it's yeah the nfc is wide open including two teams in the nfc east which i did the one five and seven team that i think is probably out is the lions because their last four is home for the packers at the titans home for the buccaneers home for the vikings let's look at the bears i mean it's really going to come down to um schedule and there is such a such a packed group you know we do forget you know we were talking about the have a chance yeah, I'm so looking the Bears, at their schedule. Texans, yeah. Vikings, Jaguars, Packers, you know, and they really need to turn it around. If they can beat the Texans, go to six and seven, I think they have a chance with the Vikings. That's that's where, you know, Vikings, Cardinals, I like them on paper better than some of the other teams in this group, but they've been so enigmatic at times, you know, and if the Giants beat the Cardinals, this week, not only will they stay in first in their division, but they would probably leapfrog them in terms of competing for a wild card. So even if they end up falling behind Washington, I, you're right. We we spent all this time. It's possible that you get two teams in the NFC East that get back to eight and eight, and both of them get in, which would be kind of a fantastic story after how they started. Well, I'm looking at this, and I, I really think it's going to come down to a bunch of teams competing for one spot because I thought maybe Tampa Bay could fall back some, but Vikings, Falcons, Lions, Falcons, I kind of feel like they're going to win more than lose those. You never which know. kind of puts them in the – yeah, but I feel like right now I would feel that they're probably up there, so that really only leaves one spot open because right now you got Seattle and Los Angeles are both pretty far up on some of these other teams. I wouldn't imagine they lose a couple games straight. They could. But so you're really looking at a bunch of teams vying for that last spot, which is Arizona, San Francisco, uh, Chicago, Detroit, and then Washington, uh, Washington, New York, whoever is not the winner of that division. But 
And don't you feel like it's going to be like that in the AFC only you're talking about 10, 11 wins? Yeah. Of- well, yeah, that's, that's the crazy part about it is like you, you are, when you look at it in the AFC, it's, you're looking at the teams that are all in it. The worst record one is new England at six and six. Anybody below that doesn't have a chance to get in it. And so, and even new England, like new England sitting there as in you have to win out because I, I legitimately, you know, when, when people were talking, I was talking with some Browns fans, like, Hey, we only need one more win and we're in. It's like, no, you need to get two to make sure that you're into the playoffs. Like if you get 10, there's still a shot. You know, we, I hate to put it this way because the bad juju could get us, but back in 2010, I think it was with Derek Anderson, when he led the Browns, Browns finished 10 and six and missed out on making the playoffs. Cause a couple teams just ahead of them had a 11 and five record. So they, there's no guarantee you've got to get that 11th win. I think in the AFC with this loaded as it is. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's going to be, the good thing, I guess, is there's a lot of teams in it. So for those of us that have teams, you know, I've got two teams uh, that I know for sure are in. I still got a couple going tonight that'll depend, determine how many more teams I get into the playoffs. But everybody's going to be playing hard down to the wire here these next couple weeks. So it's going to make uh, it's going to make fantasy football and obviously the NFL a lot of fun as well. Uh, so a couple news notes before we get into talking about waivers, and then we will uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, as Matt mentioned, obviously, uh, Doug Peterson came out earlier today and declared, not declared, but announced that Carson Wentz is benched. They are going with Jalen Hurts at least this week. I mean, I, I, I'm excited to see what he does. I think it's kind of hard to throw that guy, uh, throw Jalen Hurts out there going up against the New Orleans Saints defense, which has definitely looked a lot better here uh, the ne- last couple weeks. But what are your thoughts on Wentz getting benched and Jalen Hurts uh, getting the start? I talked about this yesterday. I don't think Hurts is probably the answer. Um, but – you've had fans clamoring that they need to make a change. The most popular guy in the town is always the backup quarterback. And after you saw him get inserted in that green Bay game and, you know, his numbers weren't gaudy five of 12, you know, only 70 something yards. They still lost, but he seemed to give them a spark seemed to play a little bit different. You got to see what he has. Um, and you got to see what you have in him. I think you got it. You owe it to your football team for as bad as the, Eagles have played, you know, and and we like Washington and New York. They seem to be surging. The Eagles aren't technically out of it, you know. So if they had a strong, you know, if they win four straight games, they could get to seven wins. It's possible still that seven and nine ends up being enough. And because they have that tie on their record, you know, maybe they get to seven, eight, and one, and that ends up being, being the difference. That's what they've got to play for. I don't know if Hertz gets him there, but Wentz wasn't getting him there. You were you're falling further and further behind, further and further out of the picture. Yeah. And probably for Wentz, at this point, he looks like his confidence is shaken. He's been beaten up. Maybe he needs a break, uh, needs some options. I know a lot of people are talking about now, well, they're definitely going to trade him. I don't find his contract that tradable. The other thing that people forget I think is- someone can make a move for him. As I saw that, so I did a lot of deep dive, but go ahead. I'll tell you why I think they couldn't move. But the thing that you're forgetting is the signing bonus dead cap stays with the original team. So they would still have to eat like a 20 or a $30 million dead cap situation. I'm not sure anyone's pumped to do that in Philly. 
Right. So I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but it kind of goes back to what we were talking about yesterday. Say Jalen Hurts, again, I think a lot of if they end up moving Wentz in the offseason will be predicated on what we see out of Jalen Hurts the, the rest of the season. Because I imagine they're not going back to Carson Wentz in week 15. It's going to be the Hurts show unless he gets hurt throughout the rest of the, throughout the, rest of the season would be my guess. Say Jalen Hurts goes out there and maybe doesn't light the world on fire, but just clearly looks better than Wentz. They win a bunch of games, almost make the playoffs. Hurts just for whatever reason looks better in this offense. They decide, hey, because it, it does seem like they're leaning toward firing Rosen anyways. They fire they fire Rosen, but they're like, hey, you did well, Doug Peterson with Jalen Hurts. We're going to keep you on here. If you keep Carson Wentz as your backup quarterback, he's still sitting there getting paid all that money for nothing. If another team comes calling and says, hey, we, and I'll, I'll tell you the team in a minute, but a team that is looking at least right now to be a playoff contender, Super Bowl contender with the offense and defense they have around them, number one in the NFL in cap space right now could easily take on the Carson Wentz contract and still have money to play with for a lot of other players, do not have a lot of players hitting free agency outside of one wide receiver where they've drafted young wide receivers the past couple of years to replace them. If they come calling to the Eagles like, hey, because of how much money is owed to Carson Wentz, we'll give you like a second round pick and a fifth or something like that. Even though the Eagles have to eat that cap this year and I think next year, you're still getting at least a little bit of draft capital back. Usually when you cut or trade, it accelerates the cap hit all into one year. If they did it in the offseason, it would accelerate gotcha. it all into one year. So that even better. You're looking at one year, you're going to have to just eat everything. And I mean, let's be honest. With the with the cap hell that the Eagles already look like they're in right now because of Rosen, I don't think them if they move on from Carson Wentz and they're just going to have to pretty much use next year twenty twenty one as a rebuild year wouldn't be a bad thing for Philly because I, I don't think that they have the roster around them to be competitive anyways. If I'm being honest, I, I just they've got too many issues. I mean, all their offensive linemen are getting overpaid, can never stay healthy. They're all aging veterans. They don't have any youth on that offensive line, like. So my question was, because I was talking to someone about this, and, and I think it'd be a good fit, and it's a player that we've already talked about, or not a player, a team that we've talked about possibly making a trade for a veteran quarterback in the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich knows Carson Wentz. He's got a relationship with him. He was on that staff when Carson Wentz was, and I believe technically Frank Reich was the offensive play caller for the year that Carson Wentz was going to be an MVP until he blows out his leg and in diving into the end zone. And then Nick Foles comes in. Obviously, Foles takes him to the Super Bowl and all that. But Wentz's best year came with Frank Reich there on that offensive staff. They have more than enough cap room to take on his contract and everything. I mean, I'm not saying if Wentz can get back to anything close to what he was even last year, he immensely improves that offense. And I think, again, they can take on the they can take on the salary. I don't think it would be a bad fit because I mean, I know Wentz has not been great this year, but I think if you're telling me get to Carson Wentz over Phillip Rivers moving forward, give me Carson Wentz. I, I don't even think Jaco- – I don't think Jacoby Brissett's the answer either. And I mean, I drafted J- Jacob Eason in a bunch of places, but I'm going to be honest, I, he's got way too many questions as well. He's had a bunch of questions coming out into the draft last year. So I was looking at Wentz's contract. It looks like he has big things that are like an option bonus and a roster bonus. I don't know if those kind of things can transfer to a team with a trade. If it could, that would drop the, if you were 
no signing bonus always stays with yeah. the original team. It looks like if all that accelerated into one year, you're talking about a ten to twelve million dollar cap hit, which actually may not be right. terrible. But if all those roster bonuses and everything go, you're talking about a sixty million dollar cap hit. Yeah. And again, that's the but that's the thing we talked about is that you're taking the cap hit regardless at this point if you're Philly. He's either sitting on your bench, right? Because if, if Jalen Hurts again, well, this is all predicated well, on well, what Jalen Hurts does. Thing, though, if he's sitting on your bench, it's a twenty-five point four million dollar cap hold. Uh-huh. If you release him, it could be a sixty million dollar cap hold. Okay. But that but that's that goes to my point in you're not in my opinion, I could be wrong. I don't think Philly is competing for a Super Bowl next year. They're, they just have too many issues on their roster, in my opinion. I don't so, know if they would. Uh, you know what? I don't know that the team would agree with that. Well, I understand that the team not. They're going to think they're in the Super Bowl run every year, I would think. But, I mean, you don't have – say Jalen Hurts plays better than Carson Wentz. Whatever. Say he plays as a – we'll just use it fantasy-wise – a high-end QB, too. So he's playing good. He's not great, but he's playing very good, right? Would you – them coming back next year with, obviously, Washington is an interesting team. New York Giants, who've clearly played much better, uh, they don't have as many big free agents coming into this year. Them coming back, getting Daniel Jones, and you have Dallas coming back, getting Dak Prescott back, who, again – while their defenses look like complete crap, that offense could keep them in every single game that they're in. You're telling me, again, not, I know, I want your opinion. I know what Philly's going to think, your opinion, the chances of the Eagles winning that division and making the playoffs next year. I mean, I think the NFC East is still wide open. Um, I don't know. If, if I was Indianapolis, I'm not sure I would do it. And honestly, if I was Philadelphia, I wouldn't do it. See, I would. I'd get rid. I don't want to get rid of Carson Wentz because I still think he's talented. Again, but if Hertz comes in there and plays better than what we've seen out of Wentz, and they think he's the guy, I'm still not sold on Jalen Hurts. I think Carson Wentz is the better quarterback. But if they believe that Jalen Hurts can be the guy, you're going to keep him sitting on your bench then for three years at twenty plus million. Uh, what is it? I can't remember what the because it falls off on twenty three. I remember that twenty three is his cap is very low. Yeah, I just closed it. it it's thirty something. Uh, I think it's thirty twenty eight, and then like twelve or something. Yeah, eight, and then eight. Okay, I know the last year is just under ten. So you're then going to leave him sitting on your bench for a couple years, paying him a ton of money, which can it can work as we mentioned a couple episodes ago because Jalen Hurts is on that rookie contract. So you're still eating up a ton of cap on your quarterback, but it's just not the quarterback on the field, but it's not still not that big of an issue. You don't have to pay Hurts yet. Or again, I get that you accelerate the, you accelerate all of the money, but then it comes in and crushes you for one season. You get some draft capital back, which helps because it helps you get younger players in positions you need. And then all of a sudden you free up all of this cap, which let's be honest, you paid way too much on a quarterback anyways. I mean, they were talking about Dak Prescott, not even getting this deal. And as much as I don't like Dak, I'm paying Dak more than I am Carson Wentz. I honestly think the reality is if uh, Hertz looks good, they enter next year as an open competition. Oh, I'm sure they do absolutely nothing in terms of moving on from him in 2021, no matter what. And then if that doesn't work out, then they consider their options after that. 
We'll see. I think if, if a new GM comes in, depending on how Mr. Loria handles it, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up just oh. moving him. If it's like a – I don't think they're keeping Rosen. I don't. I, I From everything I'm hearing and things I'm reading by from Eagle beat writers and everything is that he's pretty much fired. So, I mean, you're having yeah, a new GM come in. But I don't think they dumped Peterson. I don't think Peterson no, I don't ready either. to give up on – Carson Wentz, so that that's a big part of it. I also don't think the Eagles are ready to give up on the idea that they can't win the NFC East again. And once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Do I yeah. think they're great? I don't particularly. I also think there's every possibility Jalen Hurts gets lit up like a Christmas tree when they're at I New Orleans this week. It's a the worst possible first start. And I almost wonder if that's not part of why they decided to make him go ahead and make him the starter this week. Because you're looking at New Orleans, you get the S beaten out of you, and then we see Wentz come back for the rest of the season. Like, see, hey, I, again, you wanted Jalen Hurts. Look at what you got. I don't disagree on on the Hurts again. I said all of my my theories on what could happen with Wentz are predicated on Hurts being good, and I don't know if that happens. I would say right now, again, I'm full transparency. I would take Wentz over Hurts right now. I, I do not think Hurts is the answer, but I could be wrong. And so I agree with you. They may not want to give up on him, but they bring in a new GM. It may not matter what Doug Peterson thinks. And again, I I know people. But in a year where the salary cap is at best going to stay flat, but most likely going to drop, nobody. Again, we have to figure out what what would be the true cap hit when they trade him. I'm not sure how those bonus things work, but if all of those bonus amounts stick. You're talking about four more years of $10 million roster bonuses and four more years of $6 million uh, bonuses for options plus $3.5 million each of those years for a signing bonus. You're talking about a $60 million hit. That's double what it would cost to keep him on the roster. Yeah. That's where if you're a GM and you do that, you might as well pack your office. See, that's what there's been teams that have done it before, though. That's the thing. If you accelerate that that level, maybe not to that level, but it's something where you're getting out of a mistake that somebody else made. Like, that's the thing. I don't I don't see it's not not at that price. I see. I just I disagree. It's just up to 150 and you take 60 million in dead cap. You're actually going to have to cut the veterans you have to be able to, to make they it. Ha- they're going to have to cut. They're going to cut some of their veterans anyway. There's just there. They can't keep Jason Peters on there anymore. They can't keep Travis. Ke- it's not Travis Kelsey. Was it? Je- Zach Ertz. No, Zach no, no, no. The other, the other Kelsey brother who plays there. He's the offensive Jason lineup. Kelsey. Jason Kelsey. They, they pay these guys so much money and they can't stay healthy and get on the field. Like I think Philly is in for a huge roster change anyways, regardless of what's coming because most of their money is tied up into that offensive line and some of those defensive players that are just not producing. They're just not. And, and I don't know, again, maybe they don't, they don't get rid of once. I think it would be the smart decision to do. You, you have to start all over. In my opinion, you've got good pieces. You have nowhere near a good enough team, in my opinion, to keep, to keep competing. There's just too many aging veterans, too many players that are not doing anything. I mean, we've seen this defense has been God awful the past couple of years. They have not been good. And they keep saying, Oh, well the injuries this well, it's three, four years worth of the injuries. This that's keeping you guys out of it. That's just not the case. And we're no, it's just bad play. And I hate to say that, but you even go to talk to Philly fans. 
none of them feel the way about Carson Wentz we do. Like everybody seems to forget in Philly what Carson Wentz was before Nick Foles took over. All everybody thinks about in Philly is, well, Car- Nick Foles won us a Super Bowl. And if you really look at it, Nick Foles was good for two games. Now, it was the two games that mattered in the championship game against the Vikings and the Super Bowl against the Patriots. But even his first couple of games in the playoffs, he was not that good. He almost lost him a game. So I just feel like for whatever reason, they don't believe in Carson Wentz the way people on the outside still believe in Wentz. And there's a lot of people who still who don't outside. I just everything's coming to a head and I wouldn't be surprised if we see massive changes in Philly. You've at one, it's eventually yeah. you've got to do something, what they do. I don't know. It, it's going to make what they do in the off season. Fascinating to talk about uh, their division rivals and the Cowboys do play tonight against the Ravens. Uh, big game for both teams. Technically the Cowboys are not out of it. Uh, the Ravens are currently sitting out of the playoff race, looking in and don't have uh, necessarily an easy schedule moving forward. They still got a couple of tough games on, uh, their schedule. What are you thinking tonight? Obviously, the big, uh, big name at least for me and on that Cowboys offense uh, is is Zeke. Can he get going back again tonight? Um, Amari Cooper has been fabulous, uh, even when since Dalton's come back in here. But you're going to need Dalton to look good against the um, secondary. I mean, for me personally, I think you have to rely heavily on Zeke tonight because Dalton just. Hasn't been great. He's not been, I think, what any of us expected when he signed with them and us thinking, hey, they've got a great backup, and then Dak goes down. We all thought it was going to be an easy transition for him coming in. Hasn't quite been that way. And now they get one of the better secondaries in the NFL, which don't get me wrong, Amari Cooper, Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, one of the best wide receiver cores, but with Andy Dalton as my quarterback, I'm not sure I'm throwing the ball to Amari Cooper a lot with Marlon Humphrey covering him. Especially in prime time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. If this game would have been last Thursday, you know, I, I would I think Dallas fares better. I think the Ravens have gotten enough pieces back. I still think this is gonna be a sloppy and kind of gross game to watch. I also feel like Dallas has hit a point where they want to see what they have in Tony Pollard. Um I would be I am I know you are. I, I would be a little nervous about Zeke tonight. Oh, no, their their offensive yeah. line is also beat up. Yeah, uh, they it went lost. from being the strength of the team to one to of the its biggest liabilities. Yeah. Primetime Andy. I am not expecting a great performance from the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I mean, the only thing I think possibly keeps them in this game is just that. You've had Baltimore who is getting players back on and off still on the COVID list. They've not been able to practice as much as either. We've really seen that these Tuesday, Wednesday games have just not been that good. And I think a lot of it goes to, too, NFL players being such creatures of habit. You're not used to playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Most NFL players, Tuesdays, you're off day. So you're still kind of trying to figure out what you're doing. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a, a little bit of a sloppy game, especially because we saw Jackson just came off of IR recently. Yesterday. He has not yeah, practiced no with the practice. team at all either. So, I, while I do think he obviously plays tonight, I don't think they're going to go to Trace McSorley. Um, I think that they're going to kind of rely on Dobbins and Ingram uh, and Gus, who have all been off COVID now for – Gus never went on, but Ingram and Dobbins have been off for about a, or a little less than a uh, week. Now. Gus never went on, but I will tell yeah. you, last Wednesday, he looked like he played with COVID. Yeah. It was, Nine carries, 10 yards. Good Lord. So I, I think they rely heavily on that run game, especially with as bad as uh, Cow- the Cowboys' defense has been all year. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of running probably on both sides. I would not be surprised if this game's in the teens. Yeah. Um, you know, I just don't think. Like, if you're hoping for that Tuesday night miracle to save your fantasy season, this is not a 45-point Lamar Jackson game. This is like a 14-point yeah. Lamar Jackson game, in my opinion. If that. Yeah, I don't think he's yeah. going to do much running. I, I really don't think he's going to do much passing either. I mean, the – the, the one thing I've said for Dallas is their defense against the pass has actually been getting better uh, since earlier in the season, really since that Browns game. But that defense against the run, I mean, we saw it on Thanksgiving when they last uh, – was it la- – who did they play yeah. last week? The Cowboys? Well, was, that was the last game they played. Thanksgiving, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a huge – that's the other problem for Dallas. It's now a 12-day layoff, which is sort of brutal to them too because, you know, we've seen – Teams on too short and too long a layoff kind of come out rusty. Yeah. So it'll, yeah, I'm with you. I do not expect it to be a, a good game at all. And I'll still be watching it because it's football. I'll be switching back and forth, at least that in the college football rankings. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Not, I don't think it's going to be a pretty game tonight. Uh, so waivers going into the playoffs, obviously, for those of you who secured it or looking to possibly secure your spots tonight, uh, waivers, I would think, run still Wednesday morning for everybody because the game will be over tonight. Uh, I know one of my leagues got they moved. Probably but... They won't on ESPN, I'll tell you that, because ESPN didn't run waivers until Friday night last week. Or... Well, it's, I think, because of the yeah, Wednesday Friday, game. Thursday. Yeah, but that's the thing. It locks and it doesn't become official until midnight following the last game. So it'll lock and become official at midnight Wednesday, and then you have all day Wednesday to make your things, and it'll well, be I think, overnight. Uh, what was it? Because I don't play on a lot of ESPN ones. Like I said, most of mine are MFL, and they've been moving. I think the last time they did the Tuesday night game was the Bills-Steelers one. Was it Bills-Steelers? Waivers ran, ran Thursday, Thursday morning. Yeah, so I would yeah. think they run Thursday. So – Quarterbacks, the top two uh, here, Mitchell Trubisky is 13% rostered, and then Jalen Hurts, 1%. Yeah. I'm going Trubisky easily, and Hurts yeah, is – You're talking about playoffs. I'm not taking Hurts. They have a tough yeah. schedule. I don't know what we're going to see in him. I want to – I don't think it was a bad move for Philly. It would be a bad move for your fantasy team. Even Trubisky, I have to ask myself, you know, how – how desperate am I? Because you're talking about going to the playoffs now. He's had some okay games. They don't have a terrible schedule, as we saw. Texans looks like a pretty prime matchup. Texans, Vikings, Jaguars. The real thing that's a nod in Trubisky's favor would be the schedule. But as you and I talked about yesterday, you also – I'm a little nervous that I'm watching to make sure Trubisky stays the guy and they don't revert back to uh, Nick Foles. Crusher yeah. of dreams. I don't think that they will, as we talked about yesterday. I think we were both kind of on the they'll keep with uh, with Trubisky, but but uh, you never know. Maggie's on the hottest of hot seats, and if he thinks for a second Nick Foles gets him magically into the playoffs by resuming the big dick Nick role, then all our hopes and dreams are out the window. Uh, the top three running backs, which I don't know if you can look up McKissick's really quick. I imagine he's pretty pretty well rostered because of of what happened earlier in the year. Yeah, but, I'll, I'll look him up. But uh, AP at forty eight percent, Ty Johnson, who obviously had the big game for the Jets uh, last week, two percent, and Peyton Barber one percent. Uh, did you get McKissick's? McKissick is sixty one percent on ESPN, forty eight percent on Yahoo. 
So Yahoo, you might actually have a chance on him. ESPN, I think it's probably going to be pretty slim chance. If if McKissick is on there, I'm going McKissick. He's the guy that I want out of yeah. these. Because AP had the big game, but I think at least I would hope Swift is coming back eventually. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. That's the question. So if you knew Swift was going to be out, AP would be a little more interesting to me. I'm actually kind of interested in Ty Johnson. I thought he looked pretty good. good yeah. the Jets have been running a lot. Gore with a concussion. I don't think it's any lock. He comes back right away. But again, I think if you're looking at any of these, it's because you're facing some true desperation or maybe because you lost Gibson. And hopefully if you lost Gibson, you had McKissick anyway. Yeah, so for me, it'd be McKissick, Ty Johnson, and then even if we knew Swift was out, AP would still be third for me. Peyton Barber, I ha- honestly have no interest in whatsoever. Peyton Barber, you're basically just praying for what you saw last night, which is 20 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Wide receivers, T.Y. Hilton, who's obviously had a couple of good weeks, or back-to-back good weeks here, 45% rostered. Then you got Kiki Kuti, 27. Tim Patrick, 21. Rashard Higgins, 9. And Gabriel Davis, 5. How would you rank these guys uh, for you at wide receiver? I mean, there's a reason Hilton used to be like such a value in fantasy. He's had two good weeks. I don't know why, but part of me just does not want to believe in him right now. Um, I liked Kuti. I thought he got good volume. They need receivers there. It's not the greatest matchup uh, going to Chicago. Um, Tim Patrick there against Carolina, which I would think would be a pretty decent matchup, especially since Carolina just put half its defense on the COVID IR today. Um, and he seems to really have something going with Locke. Higgins I like. I don't know if I always trust the passing volume for uh, the Browns, and they're playing the Ravens. Gabe Davis I like, but they are also playing Pittsburgh. So it's probably for me I'm I'm doing Patrick Hilton, Davis, Kuti, Higgins. Uh, so Tyler Lockett versus the Jets or Nick Chubb versus the Ravens, half-point PPR. I'm assuming this is for week 13. 14. I'm sorry, yeah, week 14. I'm probably going Probably. I just I I don't see how you don't put Chubb in your lineup. Yeah, I mean that's tough too. Because I mean the thing with Lockett is you're getting you're getting the half point PPR points, obviously, with the catches, which you're not really getting that with Chubbs. They don't use him in the in uh in the passing game, but Man, I think the Browns are coming into this game. They need a win. Baltimore, while they've still been very good on the ground, we know that's the Browns' MO is to run the ball. Chubb's going to get the goal line. We've seen really the past couple weeks uh, since he's been back back. They're not using Hub back in the red zone anymore. It's gone back to full Chubb. They've really kind of, as you mentioned on Monday's show, they've really kind of pulled back on using Hunt uh, a little bit here. Yeah, so I – Man, it'd be hard because if they get down in the red zone a couple times and Chubb gets you a couple touchdowns, I think the thing with Jets is they've been playing better and Seattle has just been kind of uh, playing weird. They they've not looked good, but I the Jets pass defense has been hideous. The the Raiders saw Waller and Henry Ruggs have their best games of the season, and Aguilar had a pretty big game. Yeah, but Henry Ruggs came on one play. That's the thing. Like Henry Ruggs didn't really have a great game. It was one play, which was the the hail mary at the end of the game that got him literally all of his points. Waller was the one. Waller obviously balled out, but 
you could argue then, okay, that's really the one player. Well, if that's DK Metcalf that week, there's no guarantee Lockett has that game. Where I think if you're going for upside, I'm going Lockett. If you want the safer floor, I think it's Chubb. Because I think Chubb's going to get you, in my opinion, roughly 8 to 10 points at least. I think that's his floor. Where Lockett... Yeah, I think he Lockett definitely has higher upside because I don't see Chubb going off for like 150 yards and two touchdowns against the Ravens. But I could easily see 50, 60 yards and a touchdown, so that gets you anywhere from 10 to 12 points. And Lockett, I think his down his his ceil- his uh, floor is a lot lower. Would you agree with that? I don't know. Based on that's so what I was going to go look and see what Lockett's. Eckler and Cook at running back. I'd probably still start Eckler and Cook over Chubb at running back. I'd keep those yeah. guys both in. Yeah, I mean, it's two good options to have. I'm still sticking with Lockett because of the Jets' pass defense and the fact that I think Seattle has to come out and try to hip-check somebody after an embarrassing home loss. All right. Uh, for me on the wide receivers, I would go Patrick 1 Probably Hilton too. I think I'd go Higgins three. I mean, they just really have seemed he's I've mentioned it before earlier in the season when he wasn't playing at all. I didn't understand why he wasn't playing him and Baker have that connection. Uh, Baker looks for him a lot. And I do think that they're going They're slowly the past couple of weeks moving. They're not going to be heavy pass every single week, but they've been moving toward a more pass happy offense. And I think that they're going to have to be more pass-happy with some of the games they have coming up against Baltimore, the Giants, and the Steelers because they have better defenses who know that they need to stop the run. We've seen now Stefanski is not afraid to throw the ball with Baker. Baker has looked better here the past couple weeks as well. So I think, I, for me, Higgins has a little bit more value over Kuti and Davis, who I think are a little bit more dependent on certain things. Uh, so I would still know Patrick won, with especially the way he's been playing with Locke, then Hilton, Higgins, Kuti, Davis last for me. Then uh, to finish up here, tight ends, Logan Thomas, 40% rostered, Anthony Ferkser, nine, and Cole Komet, one. How would you uh, rank these three tight ends? So I get the being excited about Komet because of what we saw last week, but Jimmy Graham's not injured as far as I can tell. It just Well, they did. So I looked into this today because I was curious about this. The Bears actually, which I did not notice this, before the bye said going into the bye week, Komet would come out being their starting tight end. So that is why we've seen Jimmy Graham fall off and Cole Komet has kind of come on the past couple weeks. He has been moved up to their starting tight end. I don't know how much that changes because I feel yeah. like the tight end really hasn't done much with Trubisky in the offense anyway. It's the Allen Robinson show, but that is why we've seen kind of seen Jimmy Graham fall off. So Thomas is a clear number one for me, no matter what. And then Ferkser, I, I feel like he has some role when Smith is there, but it really his value goes up in my esteem if you know Smith is going to be out. Like I picked him up and rolled him as a as a starting streamer in a league in week 13 when I found out Smith was going to be out. So I think you'd have to monitor um, the health. I know Smith has been blocking more and Ferkser's had opportunities. I just don't think it's consistent enough. So depending on the the health of Smith, I would probably flip uh, Komet and Ferkser for me. If if I thought Smith was out, I might lean Ferkser. Uh, if not Komet, you know, I, they probably are trying to get him looks and trying to get the younger guys involved. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's it's clearly Logan Thomas, especially after we saw last night. And the fact that he's still only rostered in forty percent of leagues is insane to me because he's been good for the most part all season. So, I, and especially with Alex Smith, since Alex Smith has really taken over as the actual quarterback, uh, he's gone to Logan Thomas more often than not. So, I'd go easily him, Ferkser, and then Komet for me as well. So that will do it for us today. We will be back on Thursday to preview what is the Thursday night football game. Um, Because I feel like we haven't had a Thursday night football game in like five weeks. You know, I forgot what it is too. There will be a game and we'll also talk about the tragedy, which I thought was an appropriate name for. Yes. Let's see. Week 14. The Thursday night game is... The New England Patriots at the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, that's actually a good one. Some huge playoff implications for yeah. both teams. Well, we only have two weeks left of Thursday games, right? It's just 14 or three, I guess, technically 14, 15, 16, because I know there isn't one week 17. Uh, I'm just check. not sure if there's a Thursday I'm not sure if there is. Let's see. Week 16, there is not because it's Christmas Eve. Oh, that's right. Um, so it's a Saturday. This is Saturday. The Saturday. They have actually they have a Friday night game on Christmas night, uh, Minnesota and New Orleans. Um, So I guess that would be kind of the the finale of of you know that. And then uh, they have three on Saturday that week. Yeah, that's what I I love it. And last Monday, so yeah, that's that's a huge uh, weekend of games over four days. Yep. All right. So we will be back Thursday to talk Rams and Patriots. We will do any kind of other NFL news that's popped up, obviously. And then, of course, our weekly fireside chat about the Mandalorian. So everybody enjoy the game tonight between the Ravens and the Cowboys. We'll see you guys again on Thursday. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready.